Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. So we're going to examine some scriptures here today in light of this special celebration that we have, because man, we are celebrating something big today. Because also, friends, I want for us all to remember, it's, it's interesting, as a side note, of course, the resurrection of Yeshua, if you look historically uh, amongst believing people, I'm talking about post-biblical, but pre-Constantine, was celebrated in correspondence to the Passover season and to the, to the, specifically to the time of Passover. We're bringing that back, which is why we're having a resurrection service here corresponding to Passover, which was always when it was done. It wasn't until the fourth century during the Council of Nicaea, which uh, did a lot of, which did some very good things, but one of the very bad things they did, it was, uh, had a very anti-Semitic overtone, and they very much separated uh, intentionally in a very anti-Semitic way. Uh, if you read the writings, uh, the celebration of the resurrection of Yeshua with Passover, because they didn't want anything to do with the Jewish people, very tragic. We're bringing this back to what it originally was, although I think that God loves us celebrating the resurrection of Yeshua any day. So that's no condemnation to anybody else who celebrates the resurrection anytime because every day is a great day to celebrate the resurrection of the Messiah. Amen. And so we're really excited about this though. And, and also let me say this, uh, I, I, if you will, on the other hand, uh, you know, on the one hand, on the other hand, that's Tevya from Fiddler on the Roof. If, if you haven't seen Fiddler on the Roof, by gosh, what are you doing in a Messianic congregation? Never haven't seen Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> In any case, uh, at the same time, I think it's really important to say, too, is that, you know, it's like, well, I don't see the resurrection of Yeshua uh, as one of the uh, commanded holidays that we celebrate. It's not. It's not one of the commanded holidays uh, that we celebrate. Man, our Jewish people, are you kidding me? The Messiah of the world comes. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to make a celebration day. That's just how it is. And, and that's one thing to note here at Bethlehem as well, is that, Listen, I, I love everything about Bethlehem, all of it, the rich tradition, the, the, the ancientness, the, the beautiful music and the liturgy and everything. But friends, the central part of Messianic Judaism is the word Messianic, and that's the word Messiah. The central part of Messianic Judaism is Messiah Yeshua, period, end of sentence. There's no comma there. 
our Messiah is the center of our faith. And so we are celebrating his resurrection today. And I'm, I'm so glad that you were all here with us. And those of you watching online uh, or listening to a podcast all over the world, and I'm sorry we, uh, we, we cut off the, uh, the, the number, but I'm glad you're able to join a psalm. We're going to start in Psalm chapter 3. We're going to read some scriptures that I hope speak to you. Wow, I just can't tell you how good it is to see Rabbi Emeritus Robert Solomon in the audience. It just is an encouraging to another rabbi to, to see Rabbi. I know we've already clapped once, twice, clapping three times. I can't help it already. It's just so nice to have him here. What can I say? I'm a Cavelling son. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys understanding. Psalm chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 4, then I'm going to skip down to verse 7. Verse 4 says this, But you, Adonai, are a shield around me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Ooh, boy, verse 7. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people all around who have taken their stand against me. Ooh, friends, do you hear that? King David knew it. King David knew it. The odds did not matter. The odds did not matter. Do not fear. Man, do you hear what Melech David, King David here said? Oh my gosh, God, you, you got her a shield around me. I'll not be afraid of 10,000s of people around me taking a stand against me. Wow, do you hear that? Do you feel that? You see, th this is going to be connected into what we're going to be talking about today. It doesn't matter what is allayed against you. My friends, so often in society and in time, there's so much against you. You can't look at what's against you. You got to look at who's for you. Very powerful. King David knew that. There's one element of the resurrection that is frequently not spoken about. It really is encouraging to me. And it's kind of almost a, a side note, if you will. It's almost parenthetical to the story. But the Lord really spoke to me as I was preparing a message for you today, uh, speaking about the resurrection time and what happened. That, that is very, very powerful. I hope it's encouraging to you as well. John chapter 16, as we kind of work our way toward that time, working our way toward the resurrection time, we're going to go to John chapter 16. This is soon, soon before Yeshua was resurrected and arrested. Actually, it's before he was even arrested and eventually uh, executed. And of course, the resurrection came after that. But right before he was arrested, he was teaching his Talmudim. Now, I want you to pick up on this because you got to understand it and, the, and the, uh, the power of it. You have to understand the timing of it right before he was being arrested. John chapter 16, verse 33, Yeshua says this, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have shalom, Yeshua says. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Ooh, boy, friends, that is awesome. But you know, as awesome that is, as that is when Yeshua says, take heart, I've overcome the world, as awesome as that is, you have to understand that he said this knowing what was about to happen to him. This was on the precipice of his arrest and execution. So, so hold on, knowing, I mean, this is the whole purpose he came to planet Earth was was to be sacrificed, right? And knowing that he was about to go to the execution stake right before, he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, see, if you understand the timing of it, it makes what he says there much more powerful and, 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 honest, and honestly, in a worldly perspective, much more strange. I mean, how could you say, if you know that you're about to be executed, how can you say, rejoice, man, I've overcome the world. 
have peace, have shalom. It's like, man, it seems like that's the very time where, where he's like, where he should be like, man, boy, I'm getting a shank into this deal. <laughs> I mean, here I am healing everybody. And, and how, what's the thanks I get? They, they, you know, they're putting me up on an execution stake. That doesn't sound very fair to me. I, listen, I understand. Yeshua knew what was to come. Beloved, whatever it is that you are going through, you need to take heart. Take heart. Take heart, my friends. Looking back, looking back in this time and in, this, uh, in, this, in these moments, really, you'll recall that corrupt religious leaders were virulently against Yeshua. But remember that most of them were in power due to patronage from Rome at that time. And like many politicians, even today, they were threatened, very threatened, by anything that they perceived could be a challenge to their power. That was the whole uh, issue here, was the religious establishment's power base. And, and let's face it, a large group of Jewish people following who cl- they claimed was the Messiah would certainly fall into this category of potentially being a threat to their power. I mean, if the Messiah was really there, or, or a large Jewish group was following somebody they claimed to be the Messiah then that, that could be a threat to them. They perceived it as a threat big time, no doubt. So what happened? Matthew 27. What happened? They lobbied the Roman authorities to have Yeshua killed. They lobbied and, and, and Pilate obliged, as you all know the story. And so there it is. Uh, of course, Yeshua was sacrificed on the execution stake. And after he was crucified, he was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. I just love this guy. I love his name. I love what he does. The scripture says he's a rich person. I talked about this a few weeks ago when I gave a sermon on biblical financial principles. And, uh, and I talked about the fact that, listen, don't spite people who are rich. God can use rich people. It's uh, Joseph of Arimathea specifically says was wealthy, but the Lord used him. God bless me. You know, when you see people don't have a sense of jealousy or, or like unfairness, say, God bless them. God bless them. Okay. The, the Lord uses people, but you, but as I said a few weeks ago, with wealth comes responsibility. Okay. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a follower of Yeshua, we know did use his wealth in the right way. And he went to Pilate. We're going to read here. Uh, He went to Pilate and he said, give me the body. Okay. Matthew 27, verse 59. It says, and Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. And he laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. Then he rolled a large stone up to the door of the tomb and went away. Wow. Very powerful. Joseph of Arimathea, really one of the unsung Heroes of, of, uh, of the faith, just how he loved and cared for Messiah and took care of him. So interesting. I'm going to Israel again. I'm leading a tour as we, Yoel talked about this coming October. Yoel's been with me before in Israel. It's a special place over there, isn't it? It really is. And when you're right there by the tomb area, regardless of the, uh, of if people know for sure where it's at, you can just sense the presence of God. Okay, so, so Yeshua was buried, right? Okay, he was buried. This, is, this was a rich man's tomb, so it was cut into the rock. I mean, that was not typically the way they buried people back then, so fancy, but it was in Joseph's tomb, and this large stone was rolled to close up the door of the tomb. Now, if you are from the religious establishment, right, some of the priests, etc., Kohanim, Okay, so they, you know, they, they were happy about that, if you will. Yeshua is solidly in the tomb. 
But the religious leaders of the day were still afraid of Yeshua and specifically of his influence. Although they said, well, yes, he's, he's, he's now dead. He's been executed. But they were still afraid. There was something so intense, so special, so different, right, Jay? About Yeshua, right? That they were, they were concerned. They had the spilkies. If you don't know what the spilkies are, ask your Jewish friend next to you. Or if you're watching, you can look it up online. I don't know if you'll know how to spell it. It's Yiddish. Okay. So in any case, they were concerned, right? And, and they knew what they had done by asking for him to be executed was so controversial and they didn't want for Yeshua to be seen as some kind of a martyr or even worse. So they conspired again. Listen, he's already been executed for crying out loud, but this is an important part of the story that is not frequently talked about because yet there was even additional conspiring that went on against Yeshua, even after he had already been executed. It's like, Jesus, Dainu, you would think, right? It's enough. No, no, it's not enough. They give Matthew 27. Follow me in verse 62. It says, now on the next day, which is after the preparation, again, Yeshua's already in the tomb, the ruling Kohanim and Pharisees were gathered before Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember how that deceiver said while he was still alive, talking about Yeshua, after three days, I'm to be raised. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day. So his disciples do not come and steal him away. They will, they will uh, tell the people he has risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. You have a guard, Pilate said to them, go and make it secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone along with the soldiers of the guard. Ooh, boy. Wow. So they packed up the stone, sealed the stone, and then posted guards all around the, the, the stone in the tomb. Just so that nobody could claim that he was raised from the dead when they went and stole his body, his disciples or whatever. They wanted for there to be no doubt that Yeshua was dead and that his death was unambiguous. This was their goal. They felt this so much, they stationed these guards outside of Yeshua's tomb to make sure the disciples wouldn't do any funny business and claim he was alive again. It's so interesting because little did they know that in doing all of this, they would effectively be adding to the validity of the resurrection. And if you think about it, and I'll talk about it, it's so interesting because in trying to conspire and to do this, just to make sure that nobody claimed that, that there were so many guards and, and, and if you will, rails set up against something happening, that the fact that something happening tells you that it was the truth, even more so, my friends. Beloved, please know the adversary will try to thwart God's plans in your life. Do you know that? The adversary does not like you. He does not want for God's plans to be affected in your life. I don't care how old you are, very young person here, very old person. It doesn't make the least bit of difference. You know how much Yeshua was attacked by Hasatan. You know this. But here we are, and the stage is set. Why? Because he's already dead, executed, and in the tomb. I mean, to, to a large extent, you could look at that and say, wow, boy, okay, I, you know, I think that's game. <laughs> game, game over, right? Yet even then, after Yeshua was already executed, they posted soldiers to guard a, a, a dead man's tomb. Really? Stop and think about that for a minute. Stop and think about how much the adversary hated God and hated the plan of God that they, 
even when the victory seemed assured, like, come on, he was dead. He had been executed. Everybody saw it. Even after that, they're posting guards all around and sealing up the, the stone and the tomb. And friends, this happens in our lives as well in many different ways. In your life, sometimes it will seem as though you have lost. It will seem as though things just didn't go your way. It will seem hopeless at times. And then when all hope is lost, the adversary will pile on all the more. <laughs> it's not where you thought I was going. See, the advent, but that's, that's the point here about the story about the soldiers. They, the adversary piled on all the more. It's like your adversary already winning, but then adding on more touchdowns just to rub it in. You know, I know I see Paul back there. He's a soccer player, right? It's, it's like already losing like by three goals and, and, they, and they fight hard to get a fourth goal when it's four nil. It's already three nil, man. What are you, what are you doing? No, you know, there's not much time, hardly any left, uh, time left on the clock and it's three nil, you're losing. And yet the other team just wants to kick that fourth goal in just to kind of, you know, shove it in your face. It's like, man, you know, I'm already down. I mean, how do you feel? You're losing three nil. It's no fun. And, and that's what was going on. And then they dance on your logo in midfield, right? I mean, Yeshua was already dead. He had been brutally tortured and killed. All of his followers were already disheartened. You read it in the book, right? Fellas, they were already disheartened. All the followers of Yeshua. Why? Because they saw him die and they, and they abandoned him. They were already disheartened. When a moment had come, they had all scattered. The movement was hanging on by a thread, y'all. Will the plan of God come to pass? Will the plan of God come to pass? Can there possibly be victory in this area? You know, if we're honest about it, many of us have been there. I remember in the early days, it's so interesting, Rabbi E happens to be here. I didn't know he was uh, coming until yesterday evening. He told us, and I wrote this message before then. And it wasn't for sure until today I got the final word from Rabbi E that he was coming. To, but, but I remember in the early days when Bethel was challenged in so many ways. I got a witness right back there on back pew. Financially, man, Bethel was barely hanging on. I remember our first Shabbat service and our newly rented storefront on Buford Highway when we had only how many people, Rabbi E? Nine, right? Nine people came. He's giving the thumbs up. We only had nine people there. First Shabbat are newly rented, newly renovated, painted and everything. And, and there were only nine people there at the first service. I recall when people told us that this would never work. Messianic Judaism. We were, we were the first Messianic congregation, certainly in the state of Georgia, but the closest congregations to us Messianic were Fort Lauderdale and Washington, D.C., those were the two closest ones to us. Dr. Garber remembers. I remember when people came against my parents and tried to wrestle the vision away from them. I remember these attacks. I, I remember, in fact, I can remember if I, I really think about it, I think back, I remember when our congregation had to shut down in-person services for nearly a year because of some virus. <laughs> 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 but, but friends, if God wants for something to happen, nothing is going to stop it. 
We just have to remain faithful, y'all. We just have to remain faithful. Matthew 28, you know what's coming. Matthew 28, starting in verse 1, you know this story. We're going to focus on this one part of it. Now, after Shabbat, as it began to dawn on the first day of the week, Miriam of Magdala, uh, of course, uh, also known as Mary Magdalene. She was from Magdala. And uh, the other Miriam came to look at the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of Adonai descended from heaven and came back and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance, the angel's appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And those keeping watch, this is the guards, were shaken for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid for I know you are looking for Yeshua who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen just as he said, come see the place where he was lying. (laughs) Wow. Wow, man, that's powerful. That is seriously powerful. But I want to focus on these guards. I want to focus on these guards for a minute. Remember, That these were the guards who would make sure that no one took Yeshua's body. That was their task. That was their purpose. That was their charge. Make sure nobody takes the bodies. No shenanigans at all. That was their job. It wasn't one. It was multiple guards. We can see that in the scripture here. It's beautiful because they effectively gave extra validity to the truth of the resurrection. How so? It's so interesting. I love the description. It says they were like dead men. In other words, they were probably laying there like, don't move. Don't let anybody see you, man, because this is some serious going on. Can you imagine? I mean, they were actually there when the, whoa, when everything happened, man, the angel came, the stone rolled away, man, you talk about, boy, that's, <laughs> that had to be some for those guards. You know, they were freaking out. No doubt. You can see that if you read the Greek very closely. Uh, okay. In verse 11 to 15, what? I love how it, it, it certainly proves even more that Yeshua rose from the dead. These guards, these guards are very important to, to prove that Yeshua rose from the dead even more. Why? Because we read down a little bit further in verses 11 to 15, because what happens? The, the, the guards were, were brought in and said, what happened? And, and we read that the guards went back to the priests and, and they, they told the priests what happened, right? The stone was rolled away. An angel came down and said, he's not here. He is risen. Yeshua rose from the dead. That's what happened. And then, of course, the Kohanim, uh, the priest went, whoa, boys, hold on now. <laughs> Let us have a discussion, gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Maybe we can negotiate here because you cannot tell that to other people. That's got to be, that's, I'm, I'm standing that top secret. So much so the scriptures tell us that they had, to, the, the guards had to be bribed to lie and say that the body was taken when they were sleeping. That, that's what, that's what uh, the priest bribed them to say is that the body was taken while they were sleeping. Now, honestly, you can tell that they came up with this pretty quick because it's a very, very profoundly obvious lie. Why? Two reasons. One is that they would not have all been sleeping. This, they could have been in huge trouble. And this was a special order that specifically they were to guard the tomb for nobody taking the body. And so, my gosh, and, 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 the, and the order was just a couple of days old. So it wasn't like they'd been there for six months, nine months, a year, and just kind of hanging back saying, oh, okay, well, nothing's happened for a year. Let me go to sleep. This is like second, third day they're on the job. So, so obviously, 
you know, one might doze off, but multiple guards ain't going to doze off. It just makes no sense. It's the whole purpose of them being there was to guard the tomb. But secondly, secondly, if they were sleeping, how could they have known that the disciples took the body? <laughs> I mean, just think about that. <laughs> they took the body while we were sleeping. Oh, really? And how do you know that? I mean, you know, are you going to look at the closed circuit cameras that you had? I mean, this was this 2,000 years ago, friends. They didn't have closed circuit TV. Like, what do you mean? Now, see, something not true. Something not adding that up, and that's, that's so obvious a lie. Because if you were really sleeping, you'd have no idea if they took him. You'd say, I have no idea what happened. I fell asleep, and then poof, he was gone. I woke up, he was gone. No, 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 no. But, but the lie was they took him while we were sleeping. Okay, well, I mean, you, that, can't, that can't be a factual statement. It's impossible to be a factual statement that they are personally aware of. Unbelievable. So therefore, these guards served as incremental validity to the truth of the resurrection of Yeshua because they could not prevent it. Do you hear me, friends? These guards could not prevent it. But you see, to understand that, you have to understand the power of Yeshua. Going back to Matthew 26, no one should be surprised at this, that nobody could stop it. Why? Given all that Yeshua had said and done in his life, even when Yeshua was taken into custody, friends, it's absolutely amazing. He was taken into custody that would lead to his execution and some of his followers drew arms. You know, they, they, they drew some swords and Peter and the, you know, the ear, you, you understand, you know the story, okay? And Yeshua chided them when they pulled out the, the swords to defend Yeshua when he was about to be arrested. And listen to what he said. It relates to this whole concept here, and it's going to all come together. Verse 52 of Matthew 26. Then Yeshua said to him, put your sword back in its place, he told his followers. For all who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you not suppose, or rather, do you suppose that I cannot call on my father? And at once he will place at my side 12 legions of angels. How then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Man, 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 a Shevitz. Boy, I had some man of Shevitz already <laughs> with Passover and... <laughs> at my brother's house for a great Passover Seder and we had Manischewitz and you know, it's a special acquired taste. <laughs> I asked my brother, I said, man, this is, this is a very interesting Manischewitz. What year is it? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> the power of God is so strong. Do you hear what Yeshua said here? My, my friends, yes, God gives man free will. There's no doubt of that. And, and we have free will to follow him or not. And man often thwarts the will of God. There's no question the will of God is frequently not affected in our world today. At the same time, brothers and sisters, God is sovereign. And if God really wants to do something, there is no power in hell that can stop him. That's the facts. He can call on 72,000 angels in just a moment. Think about that. Think what he was saying. This was as he was being arrested. Remember, just earlier, he said, I've overcome the world. 
And then he's being arrested. And he says, listen, I can call in 72,000 angels like that, please. But no, this is how it's got to go down, brothers. This is how it's got to go down. Do you feel the power of the living God? This is what Bobby was, was playing about, the great name of God. The power of the living God, friends, that is also the power of the resurrection. That's the power of the resurrection. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This is what you need to feel on this resurrection service. This is what you need to internalize, brothers and sisters. What the word of God teaches us and tells us in our lives, the power of the living God. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says this. What then shall we say in view of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Oh my gosh. See, this is part of the story of the resurrection. It's part of the story of the power that is within you if you are a follower of God. If you are a follower of God, that power, that resurrection power is in you as well. Yeshua knew I've overcome the world. I can call down the angels and then boom, we see what happens. Even the guards, even after the fact, they couldn't do anything. Nobody could do anything. The power of God is so strong, my friends. See, in that power, the Ruach Elohim is in you. How do I know this? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> A few verses before, Romans 8.10 says, But if Messiah is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Ruach, the spirit... Of the one who raised Yeshua from the dead dwells in you. The one who raised Messiah Yeshua from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Ruach who dwells in you. Oh man, that's right, Dr. Garber, man. He said, amen, I'm right with you on that. It is the same Ruach. It is the same spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead that dwells in you if you are a follower of him. If you are a follower of him, think about that for just a minute. That's a big time wow. Is that this power, this power when Yeshua says, I've overcome the world, even when he was about to be arrested and he knew it. This power that, that, that even when, when they, they, were, they were coming to take him away and his followers wanted to take up arms, he said, no, man, I could call in 72,000 angels like this. No, no, no. It's got to be this way. Think about the power because he knew it was coming. He knew the execution stake was coming. But friends, he also knew the resurrection was coming. And there was no power in hell that could stop the resurrection of the, of the Son of God. Friends, this can apply to so many different areas of your life. Because I, I've seen, you've seen the, in different areas of your life how the adversary can attack. I've seen many whose personal vision for Messianic Judaism has been attacked. The pressures are enormous. Don't let the adversary steal it away from you. I've seen some who've given up on pre-believing loved ones. Don't do it. Don't give up on them. God's powerful. I've seen some who are so weary with poverty, they feel as that there's no hope. There's hope. I think about a tiny nation in the Middle East that's attacked on every side. What happens? It's that blue and white flag right there. You know that blue and white flag. But God, you see? God is powerful. It doesn't matter. I will not be afraid of tens of thousands of people lined up against me on every side because you, God, are a shield for me. 
You see, this applies to you and your personal life. You see, God is revealing this to us so that we can have victory as well. Because the story of the resurrection is a story of hope for humankind. It's a story of hope for you personally. For you personally, the religious leaders and mighty Rome, the most powerful empire in the world and perhaps the world has ever known, combined could not stop Yeshua from being resurrected, even with soldiers guarding his body. Brothers and sisters, remember that in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, take heart, beloved. Yeshua has overcome the world. Friends, take heart because I have read the last page and we win. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Title of my message is Take Heart. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody who's here today who's Never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If you've never committed your life to God, then how about today? As we celebrate the resurrection of the promised Messiah. So if you're here and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, but you'd like to raise your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. Is there anyone? Is there anyone here today? And if you're watching online or listening via podcast and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, repeat this very simple prayer after me and God will transform you. Say, dear God, I humble myself before you. I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins, God. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God, in Yeshua's name. Wow, if you said that prayer, please send us an email or something. We want to celebrate with you. It's the best decision you could ever make is to follow the God of Israel and his Messiah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that resurrection power and that truly no, no, no power, no power in hell or any other could prevent the resurrection of your son. Ooh, thank you, Lord. Maybe we could just sing just, just, uh, just one verse and one chorus, Bob, of that. Let's all stand and just spend just a moment talking about the great name of God. Lost or saved.
Redeemer. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.